guys, welcome to Raisin. Six of you, right over here. So you guys having a good time today? Uh-huh. How about some more fun fries, guys? Okay. Oh, I'm glad you guys came in. Everyone in here is such a loser, but you guys seem really cool. Here you go, guys. Lexus will be right with you. What do you think, Stan? These girls are pretty cute, huh? Jesus Christ, I think I've died and gone to heaven. This place is awesome! How do you know? We haven't even tried the food yet. Hey, guys. Whoa. How are we doing this afternoon? Good. I'm so glad you guys came in. Everyone in here is such a loser, but you guys seem really cool. Ooh, we are. So what can I get you? Okay, um, we're gonna get the zingy tingy wings and mozzarella tasty tots and, uh, oh, and uh, the bite-sized pizzazzas and a pitcher of lemonade. Great, I'll put your order in right now. You guys, I think our Raisins girl likes me. She, she touched my back when she walked away. Did you see that? Raisins girls! Woohoo! Oh, yeah! Do it! Hey, hey, look over there, Stan. That Raisins girl's really cute, huh? Why don't you say hi to her? Excuse me. Hi, guys. My name's Portia. Hey, this is Stan. Oh, hey, cutie. How are you? I love your hat. I used to have a hat just like that, except it was black and it didn't have a puffball on it. Oh, my God, my hands are so cold. How can people have hands anyway? Did you ever wonder that? Oh my god, you guys, this is the greatest place in the world. Have you ever noticed how much sand there is at the beach? I mean, haven't you ever wondered where all this sand came from? Oh my god, this one time, I saw a beetle that was this big. Ew! Can we go, please? Okay, okay, come on, you guys. Oh my god, thank you guys so much for coming to Raisins. Oh, sweetie, are you leaving? Well, I don't want to, Lexus, but my stupid friends want to go. Aw, well, when am I going to get to see you again? When do you want to see me? As soon as possible. Oh, my God. Here, we left you a tip already, but here's another $5. Oh, you are such a sweetie. Come here, you. <sighs> Bye, guys. Thanks for coming to Raisins. <laughs> Well, hi, everybody. How you doing? Uh, I'm under the weather, which is why I wasn't even thinking about using this opening. It was like too action-packed and too, you know, in your face. But I was like, no, I, I, I tried something a little smoother, and I was just like, no. And then, you know what? Something's taking away from the podcast. I, mean, I feel wide awake, and I'm ready to go. It's just I'm having some trouble with my throat. Anyway, we'll get into it in a couple of seconds. I'll tell you exactly why it happened right after this. So last week I was telling you, like, no, I'm not sick. I just have a tickle on my throat. It's not a big deal. I know it's an allergy and so on over. But I guess I was sick. I mean, I guess I was just trying to convince myself that I wasn't sick. But clearly I was sick. Because, But it was like one of those quick things. And I got sick and I got a sore throat. And then I, all of a sudden it was just a stuffy nose. And then I don't know what happened after that. I went down to Atlantic City to see the great David Tell and Jeff Ross perform together. And I smoked and drank. And I guess I deserved what I got. And then when I got home on Monday, I could not breathe properly. I was having trouble breathing. I had so much congestion. I could not breathe. Had to make a doctor's appointment. Did not go to work. You know me. I always go to work. That's the one thing I have going for me is my attendance record. It's the one thing I had going for me in school. And the one thing I had going for me at work is my perfect attendance record. But, you know, I, I actually had to use a sick day to for, for sickness. Uh, I had to go to the doctor. He gave me an inhaler. 
totally worked. Then I was able to sleep. I couldn't sleep. My heart was pounding so fast because I couldn't breathe because I was so panicked. I didn't sleep for two days. You know, I kept like trying to sleep and then I'd sleep for like 10 minutes and then wake up because I'd be panicked. Oh, it was a disaster. So then, then I slept for two days after the inhaler and stuff, whatever that stuff is. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's the thing you see it on TV all the time. You give me that, some antibiotics. But I got to tell you, I mean, I still have these little coughing fits and got a lot of mucus build up. It's disgusting. I know. It's uh, very it's repulsive, really. And uh, I got a big date Saturday night. I mean, what's happening here? I got to go out on Friday. I got to go out on Saturday. I mean... I mean, I'm feeling fine. My throat's okay and everything, but every once in a while, I get this like tickle again. And it's very embarrassing. I was talking to a girl at work who's kind of pretty, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Excuse me," I mean, it was horrible. But I found that these little like uh, throat lozenges from something—they are like licorice drops. They seem to do the trick. Because so I just took a, got a haircut. And it started happening in there, and I'm like, this is embarrassing. You know, if I'm, if I'm not around water or something, although water really wasn't doing the trick. These throat lozenges seem to do it. And it's not like a sore throat. It's just like an itch. And um, it's freaking me out. And it won't go away. My friend Bob Golden yesterday told me he had the same thing, and it lasts for three weeks. So this is just as bad as being on a bad acid trip when you learn, oh, dude, you're in for a 12-hour trip. You know, or, you know, when, when you take edibles, it was something I can't really do because they take too long to take effect. So let's say uh, I take, uh, like I was taking those Listerine-like tablets that, you know, take 45 minutes to take effect. A half hour in, I'm like, it's not taking effect. I wish I hadn't taken it anymore. Now I'm like totally paranoid. I don't want this to happen. And then I know it's going to be like a seven-hour high. At least for me, it is or it was when I took it. I can't take those edibles. They don't work for me. It's too long a high. And you got to set yourself now. I'm, are you kidding me? Three weeks I got to do this? This is a nightmare. I'm so disgusting. The coughing sounds like I've been smoking for 30 years. But I really, I, I don't know. I think I can attribute it to all the secondhand smoke in Atlantic City. Is that possible? Can that happen? I, I I think it is, but maybe I'm just being paranoid. I mean, certainly all of us have grown up around smoke before they banned it in places. And thank God, was it Bloomberg who stood up, or was it Giuliani? One one, I think it was Bloomberg finally stood up and said, "No, no hey, let's cut the smoking." Thank God, God, going to Atlantic City. I remember how it used to be. And let me tell you something, you know. You know, as a nightclub performer, performing in the nightclubs, as I used to uh, back in the 80s, uh, I don't mind telling you, you can, uh, I used to, uh, I used to open up with a tune like this. If you get in trouble, you can count on me, whether I am near you or across the sea. Yeah. Oh. I'll think of something to do. I'm on the lookout for you, and 
don't you let them get you. Takes place on an island in the Pacific Ocean. Jack Lord lives there. Oh, book him, Dano. I think I just found the song I'm going to sing at my birthday. Before I take my place at the banquette. How do I not open with this? How do I not open with this? Well, let me tell you. When I was performing in the clubs back in uh, back in the early 80s, uh, my mother used to think I smoked. I would come home. She goes, I, she told my sister, like, I know David's smoking. She's like, I, he's not smoke. He does not smoke cigarettes. It's like, I know he's smoking. I can smell on his jacket. I can smell on his clothes. Every bar I went to, I, I, you know, everybody was smoking. And Pips and Brooklyn and and Dangerfields and well, everywhere. I believe in the old Boston Comedy Club. Everybody was smoking. Everybody was smoking. That's what you did. Everybody was smoking. Everything smelled like smoke. We just didn't notice it as much because everybody was smoking. God, it's so much better. I'm not a smoker. So for me, it's the greatest thing that ever happened that they, thank God, in a restaurant or whatever, we didn't even know what we were inhaling, but now when I go back to Atlantic City, it's like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, how did I deal with this? They were blowing smoke in my face on the stage. How did I ever put up with that? I, I can't think of it now. It's uh, it's so weird. I mean, it, there was so much massive smoke. It swear to God, it was like 1972 in that Borgata. It was it was horrible. I mean, I still had a good time, but I mean, the, the cigarette smoke is a major downer. And it's one of those things you completely forget about until you're in it again. Constant smoke. Ugh. And thank God I got lucky. Uh, David Elliott, our pal, our Grateful Dead buddy, he couldn't get a, a smoking room. So thank God, at least, because he smokes like a chimney, like a tell. And, uh, ugh. I can't, uh, I can't handle it. I, I think that's what messed me up. I think it makes a lot of sense, but maybe I'm being a pussy about it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I tell you. I tell you. So, uh, yeah, that's what happened. Went down to Atlantic City, you know, uh, the day after Artie's arrest. What? Our pal Artie Lang got arrested all over the news, I was getting texts, I guess, late Thursday. It was in the paper on Friday and the news on Thursday night. Our friend Artie got busted. Uh, heroin, cocaine possession. He's so stupid only because I, I don't know the full story. I have not talked to him. I'm, I'm actually doing his podcast uh, tonight. Uh, so maybe I'll find out more. I'm sure it's just as it says. But it, it, the only reason he's stupid is because he, you know, I've, he dresses like a homeless guy, and I think somebody saw him fiddling with his own car in his own parking garage, and he looks like he's a troublemaker. So somebody called the cops, like, "Hey, there's a homeless guy trying to break into somebody's car." And I think that's how he got busted. It's kind of funny, in a way. Him and Attell look like such homeless people that uh, people call the cops on their own properties. It's probably when Attell walks into his building, people are like. Hey, some vagrant just walked into the building and he's in our elevator. What are you going to do? Oh, no, no, that's Mr. Attell. He, he lives here. Oh, is that right? Well, he should dress nicer. He lives in a quality building. But, uh, oh, poor Artie. 
Poor Artie. As we know from Artie, we know he'll land on his feet. But uh, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? He's got sentencing coming up. Got a court date. Uh, I know everybody in Jersey loves him, so you'd like to think he's, well, I I really have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know. I hope he's going to be all right. Some, maybe, you know, you can look at this two ways. Uh, of course, one of these things, maybe one will kick some sense into him, uh, or it'll be the opposite. You hope it's the, the first part because he's got so much going on. And he wrote that tweet. He's like... Uh, Judd, Apatow, Pete, I hope you don't kick me off. You know, I understand if you got to kick me off. I, I don't think I would have. Well, I guess he's doing a preemptive strike. Just as the show gets picked up for the second season. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think those guys will stick with him. I mean, they realize. And, you know, he's supposed to be in every episode this, the next season. So I, I don't know what their plan is or whatever. But uh, I guess I'll find out. I'll let you know next week uh, after I do the podcast. I'm glad I'm doing it. I want to see him. I got a call from Dan, says I think he needs a friend. And I would like to be that friend. Obviously, I've been texting him. He doesn't have his phone, so I haven't gotten any responses. Dave's been trying to reach him. He hasn't gotten any responses. So I will report back for everyone. And uh, assuming he's doing the podcast, uh, I'm sure... You probably already know more than I do. But I know he went out to St. Louis. I guess that went well. I was also trying to talk to Russ Maneev. He wouldn't get back to us, so I don't know what's happening. But we'll find out. And we know Artie does usually land on his feet. So I think he'll be okay. We'll see. Um, As for crashing... As you probably know, uh, this past Sunday, I was in the coming attractions, I believe we uh, used to call it back in the day. attractions that was from the general cinema thing did you did you guys know about that one or is that from uh, i don't know if that went into new york it was that whatever the general cinemas were that was the opening with a little film projector and the slides god that's dull isn't it <laughs> it brings back a lot of memories though what do they got after this let's see something else maybe the uh, feature presentation one let's see here it goes it's almost like Let's do that uh, Sammy Davis one. Yeah. Play this before Star Wars. Get real excited about it. Boy, they really had nothing going on back then. That's the feature presentation one. Boy, that is a sad sight, isn't it? Sad sight. uh, Nobody knows what that is. 
They, they went into that one more in the 80s. Coming attractions. Yeah, that's the one where they used to have, I think, uh, the popcorn, where you count the popcorn and you could win a prize. And then this kid in the audience would go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, which was always uh, very entertaining. Well, there it is. Uh, what was the point of that story? Right. I was in the coming attractions of Crashing. Uh, very exciting. Uh, Sarah goes, uh, uh, Davy Boy Juskow. Uh, a lot of people text me like, wait, you're in Crashing? <laughs> Apparently, these people are not listening to the podcast. What's that all about? But finally, after all the, the promotion, the photos, the, the coming attractions, Sunday night will be the night where I make my debut and, and possibly uh, my curtain call as well. <laughs> we don't know how it's going to work out. I have no idea what to expect. I have not seen it. As we have been talking about nonstop, I was very worried about the, uh, the controversial uh, uh, bathroom scene, and the controversial shower scene. Uh, there's many things I'm worried about. There's many things I'm excited about. But uh, mostly, uh, it should be very entertaining. Uh, the fact that Artie and I are in the same episode is quite good. Artie's back in this one. He's been out of the uh, episodes for the last two weeks. I thought last episode was pretty good where the obvious thing at Pete not telling his parents that they were divorced yet, but still very entertaining. His parents coming to see his set. The, the, the thing about that is that that happened to me before my mother come to see the set and you'd have the dirtiest guy on before me. At, uh, so that was kind of funny because that does definitely happen uh, when you were starting out. But uh, especially because I was like uh, Pete, you know, I wasn't dirty at all. So it was kind of funny. But um, yeah, it's this Sunday. This Sunday is the big night. Should be uh, quite interesting. So we'll see what happens, right? Hey, I, um, hey, you know, if I was younger, I guess I'd have a party. The few times I've been on television, uh, you know, 10, 15 times, I don't know. I used to throw a little get-together. Why not? But now, you know, who the hell am I going to get together on a Sunday night at 10.30? Because I remember, I think the last time I was on Sunday night real late, I was at this bar, Caliban, and I invited everybody down. I was on Star Search, and I think it aired at like 11.30 at night on a Sunday. But I invited everybody down because we were like in our you know, 30s. Who am I going to get to come over on a Sunday night at 10.30 anymore, you know? So, I guess uh, my cat and I will be uh, watching together, which is uh, really the only one I need to uh, enjoy the show. And, uh, you know, I think I'll dress up in a tuxedo, and I'll dress up my cat in a little bow, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll walk the red carpet right into the couch, and I will make some uh, popcorn, and uh, we will enjoy the previews of coming attractions, and then the show. And then after the show, uh, I will I will probably do a podcast as I would if I was uh, on the red carpet. Uh, how did you think the show went, Mr. Jessica? I think it went good. Uh, I think people are really going to respond to this. And um, Selena, your thoughts? Well, 
Oh, yeah, she loved it, too. It's so obvious. So what a show. What a show. Saturday night in Atlantic City, David Tell, Jeff Ross, uh, super fun time. Those guys together are the best. Now, apparently, from what I was told, the night before at the Sands Casino in Bethlehem was the show to see. Apparently, the energy was electric, and the night that I was there apparently sucked, from what they say. I still think they're the greatest. I love that they actually don't do separate sets and then go together. I love that Sam Morell opened for them. He did 20 minutes, and then they come out and do an hour of just what they do with the improv, and I think it's great. I, I, I think that's really great. I was upset. I didn't end up going in the audience. Oh, all right, here's what happened. Um, Dave Ellie got a, a room for us, and he, because uh, he's a big, he, you know, he's got a players club card. He's Because uh, uh, I said to him, I said, let me ask you a question. Do you like action? Do you like 21 different ways to win? Then you're going to love the Borgata Hotel. Well, he loves it a lot. He's a black card member because he likes action. So he gets free room, and I take advantage of it. So uh, we got there, went up to the room, dropped off our stuff, went immediately to the three-card poker. Or did we? We might have gone to the slots. He has this one slot machine and three-card poker. That's all we play. I can't tell you the slot machine because there's only two of them, and he'll get very angry if I tell you. But did okay. But then we went to the three-card poker, won $300. I told you I always win there. Won $300 instantly. Then I went upstairs, took a shower, went to the show, went to the sound check. Then I just hung out with those guys. I wasn't sure how to handle it. I got tickets through Jeff's uh, manager because, you know, I didn't want to bother asking to tell. He's a mess. So I'm like, I'll just get him a different way. Um, But... Since I saw them after and then I was in the green room and everything, I didn't bother going out to see the show. I probably should have, but especially with Dave, maybe I thought he wanted to, but he was so thrilled to be behind the stage, behind the scenes. He thought that was the coolest thing in the green room and everything. Plus, Jeff bought subs from that White House subs place. Oh, my God. Those were so good. Sam, thank God, Sam ordered a turkey one because the order the other ones were meatballs and steak. Too filling for to have an adventure at night. Uh, that turkey sub was delicious. I ate half of his because he couldn't even finish. You know, it was oh so good. You know, I try not to fill up because then that's the end of the night for me. So uh, it was really uh, oh so delicious. So, but I was uh, there and I was drinking coffee. You know, I still had like kind of my cold, but it wasn't bad like it was Monday. And I was drinking coffee, and uh, then then I started drinking, drinking. Oh, I opened just with tequila because they had a bottle of Patron there, so I just opened with tequila. Then I moved to beer. And I'm gonna, uh, it's Jeff Ross. What am I gonna do? What am I not gonna? You know, come on, what are we, what, what's that? What are you doing? What are you doing, right? Uh, but you know, and then Dave's like, "Hey, can you come in my room?" And then he starts smoking. You know, in his room's a big smoke, but they have two separate green rooms. They have to. Because Jeff has all his relatives, ones you've never met from Alabama, wherever the hell they're from. 
He, it's so, I don't know how they tour together. Jeff loves having people around and staying all hours and all hanging out. And Dave is the exact opposite. He likes to be alone. He likes to have one person in there to talk to while he smokes, you know, and, and, and just relaxes before the show. So uh, it's just kind of funny. And I, you know, I, I don't think he mind. Uh, he's known Dave Elliott for a long time. So it's totally cool for him to be in there. And I'm glad Sam was there. That was really fun, too. So we had a good time, but here's an interesting thing. One of the things Dave was saying, and this is quite fascinating. Dave begged Jeff not to get the subs beforehand because Dave, after the shows, for all the years that he's been touring, he never gets hot food. Never occurred to me. If you think about it, he's always finished after like, two in the morning so where's he gonna go to get food he can go to a diner or whatever but he's usually by himself so he usually just wants to go home and get some fast food and leave but it's very rare like even if he orders something he has to order it ahead of time and it always comes cold he always has cold food he's like look can you just order it after i would love a hot meatball sub after the show i always have a cold meal after this one time i'd like to get a hot meal just like no no, I need it now because Jeff needs to eat. The guy's got to eat. He's got to eat at all times. So he didn't respect Dave's wishes at all, ordered the subs because he wanted everybody to have the subs. And that was cool because we ate them afterwards, but they were cold. We had the meatball and the cheesesteak subs and all that kind of stuff, and it was all awesome. And Dave Elliott actually cut them all up and put them in the green room so when everybody was finished and he had like a little party in there, everybody could eat. But everything was cold. So Dave's right. You know, it's like it's something you don't even think of because he wanted to like hang out and have a meal afterwards. But Jeff likes to go around and meet the fans. It's the exact opposite. It's really funny. I don't mind doing that with him because I like to go out. and So I just followed them around whatever they want to do. You know, I'm up for have a couple more drinks, sit at the bar for a little bit. But, you know, it's a everybody's kind of coming up and I know Attell doesn't like that. Like he likes it, but he doesn't like it. He really doesn't like it. He doesn't mind saying hello to somebody and taking a picture, but he doesn't like to talk afterwards. And you can't blame him. Some people are like that. He's very friendly. He's very accommodating. He'll take pictures with anybody, but that's it, you know? And then Jeff likes to like hang around like, hey, what are you doing now? And the, the people are even like, "What? why, you want to come with us? Yeah, what are you guys up to? You know, it's it's weird. Because he never wants to go home. So we're hanging out, we're drinking. I'm drunk now, I think, because we're high, we're drunk. And then I start to play. I'm like, listen, I, I'm, I'm done with this night. It's not going anywhere. Now I'm going to gamble. Well, that was a huge mistake. Because then I think I lost like 600 bucks, maybe 700 bucks. It was, it was horrible. I really lost a lot. I don't know. Because I always lose when I've been drinking. I've never won after drinking. And I was really upset. And then I just went upstairs and went to bed and had a miserable sleep. I was coughing so much. Dave Elliott, I, I don't know, he's got sleep apnea or something. He, he was keeping me, his snoring and keeping me up. And then I had a tremendous headache because I guess I was really hungover. Oh, but we actually, when we got to the room, me and Elliot, he, uh, he's got all these comps. So we ordered so much food, which was really fun because it's all comped. So I ordered like a shrimp cocktail 
uh, macaroni and cheese, spaghetti and meatballs, two cokes. <laughs> it was it was great. He, he ordered like uh, a BLT and a pizza, <laughs> and we just you know, I, I just ate as much as I wanted to, and then stopped. It was it was terrific. But I woke up with a splitting headache, and we ended up we were both so hungover. We ended up watching uh, Night at the Museum three in its entirety on TBS with commercials. That's when you know you're really hungover. And fortunately, he was really smart. He goes, no, I don't want to get out by noon. So he he got the room for two days because it was all free. So we didn't have to leave at noon. But the plan was to go back downstairs and gamble and win some of that money back in that beautiful three-card poker. And I got to tell you, that's what I did. I won it all back. It was a miracle. I don't know what it is about that game. I was telling people in the green room, I met this nice couple, and I'm like, no, no, you, Blackjack, are you guys crazy? Three-card poker. I, I, it's, I, I, I don't know. I won all the money back. I won like a 1000 it's, it's, it's. I don't know what it is about that game. I don't know whether I'm just hitting it at the right times. I, it just, the, the point is, even if you lose, it's still a better game than Blackjack because your odds of winning are 10 times better. So if, you know, with, with blackjack, if you're not spending, you know, you take times where you're, if you're a normal person, you're betting five, 10, 15, $20 and you have to know when to put, all right, now that's I'm going to put 25 chip on, you know, Oh, I hope that's the one. This takes all that guesswork out of it. You're putting on fives and tens, whatever, even though, it turns out you're actually betting about $30 a hand, but you don't realize it, so your money does go quick. But the reward is good. I got, you know, all you need is one of those straight flushes, and I got one. A straight flush pays 40 to 1, and I had $10 on that. So I won $400 just like that, let alone I was winning, you know, $100 here and there because I was I had a flush and the dealer had a flush, and you're playing both hands, and that pays 30 to 1. So, plus, when you sit down at that table, you know, uh, depending on your hand, and I don't remember what the hand is. I don't remember what the hand is. But if you, if I think it's if you get all diamonds, you, you win a million dollars. Now, Blackjack doesn't have those odds. What I'm saying is, there's an opportunity every time you sit at that three-card poker table to win. Uh, I don't know what you get for a mini Royale, but that could happen, and you win a lot. Maybe you win $1,000. Maybe you win more than that. I don't know how much it is, but you have a chance of winning a million dollars. It's a very small chance, but you have a chance. You're not going to get those odds at blackjack. So that just seems like the one there's it's pretty much luck. There's really no skill involved. But damn, if it's uh not just entertaining and you don't really worry about screwing the other person with that blackjack people like, yeah, oh, you took my card, you went on a six. Fuck those people. I don't care if somebody else plays. Uh I you know, who cares? The more the merrier, less the merrier. Who who it doesn't matter. That game rules and that's all I'm doing. The only problem is I, I got to find a non-smoking table. And uh, it's hard to do because I always go down with Dave Elliott. He likes to smoke. What am I going to do? I want to play with my friend. Meanwhile, he left. That's when I won. 
once he left, I, mean, I kept winning. But there's nothing better than being showered, have you know, eaten a little something, go down there. I've always liked that since I was in my 20s and the 80s when me and John Vitti from the Boston Globe used to go down four times a year. The best time to go was when we'd wake up whatever morning it was, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. That's when we'd do our best gambling and we'd always win. Because our head was clear, let's have a little coffee, and uh, I don't know, it's like your head is clear to know when to leave or when to stay. I was staying, I wanted to leave, I wanted to get home. I had to go to Staten Island to go visit my friend Steve, he's starting a Sweet 16 pool that I uh, co-run with him, you know, because I'm a degenerate gambler, so uh, this is the story, obviously. Uh, so, but I wanted to go, but I'm like, no, I'm doing very well here. It would be ridiculous to leave. But then one of this one kid started to play and he really did take my cards. I was like, you know what? This is the time to leave because my head was clear. And I said, no, this is it. It's time to go. And that's the whole key, obviously. But, uh, boy, it felt like a million bucks driving home. Obviously couldn't believe I won it all back. Remember? Cause I was going to take a thousand out of my, uh, bookie account, but I ended up taking a city bank. And today unprecedented i put the money back in the bank I, i've never done that before maybe i'm growing up you know maybe maybe i'm growing up maybe i'm not once upon a time when things were rotten I have no idea what the lyrics are, but who cares? Now who's grown up? I don't even care. I love it. But they fit for expenses. I knew that one. Forgotten. Oops. God, it should really end there, though, don't you think? They jumped a lot of messes. They robbed the rich, gave to the poor. Except what they get for expenses. So when other legends are forgotten, we'll remember when things were rotten. Yeah, for Robin Hood. Score! That song still rules, and everyone knows it. Why is that song so awesome? So, uh, I'm going to have to cough. <coughs> I've been singing, dancing, doing some crazy stuff, man. Uh, oh, you know what? Let me tell you. Uh, a couple things I want to talk about. Uh, first, actually, the clip I played up top from uh, South Park was that uh, classic um, Hooters one, which they called Raisins. It's so funny. I was just reading today that Hooters is looking for a spinoff. I think they've gotten rid of most of the locations in Manhattan, if they even had. Maybe they still have one in Penn Station. I don't know. But they're looking at a spinoff 
called Hoot. <laughs> and they're they're looking in a bunch of places in Manhattan. The restaurant. <laughs> now I hate Hooters. Uh I've I've but let's face it, those girls are terrific. And I love everything about what Hooters stands for, but their food sucks. Their wings are horrible. And the one time I finally actually went in there to have them, they, they were the worst wings I've ever had. And you know I'm a wings person. Their wings are so horrible. They have you remember they they, they had the flappers and stuff. They're, they're the worst buffalo wings I've ever had. So why would I ever go there except for the girls? But I could fall for that just like Butters did in that uh, scene like where the girls, I could fall for that every time. Every time they go, hey, guys. But it's, they did it so well on Southway. Hey, guys. Hey, have you tried our new buffalo wings? God, you're so cute. Our other table's horrible. I would fall for that every time. And I don't care how old I am, I will fall for it every time. If there's a hot girl and she goes, oh, that other table is horrible. You guys are great. I would fall for it. I'm going to fall for it every time. God damn it. I mean, I know it's a scam. I know they're only working for tips. But every time I'm going to think that the girl likes me, I'm going to walk out of there saying, oh, I think she likes me. I I should come back here. I'm going to fall for it every time. Just like Butters. That's why I like those places. (laughs) Because they are friendly and it works. It works. It works on a person of, of, of somewhat intelligence who knows He's being scammed and yet still has hope that it's like, no, 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 I think I think she likes me. You know, I remember many years ago, there's actually, it's one of the last strip clubs left in town. Well, not the last one, but one of the last dive ones. It's called, I think it's called the Dollhouse and it's around the Wall Street area. I think on Murray Street. I remember going in there many years ago and there was a stripper who, you know, it was, you know, what was that? My twenties or thirties? I, I don't know. Sat on my lap, or her name was Jules. I'll never forget. And she was like, you know, I'm here every Thursday. And I was like, oh, I, I think she really likes me. No, no, seriously, I really think she like. My friends are like, what are you a fucking retard? I'm like, no, you don't understand. You do not understand. And I kept, I went back in there looking for her. Like I, she said, she worked Fridays. I'm like, yeah, hey, uh, just I was sitting at the bar, and I'm like, yes, yeah, Jules working today. She. Told me she was work. I I can't believe I was that guy. I totally fell for it, and I will fall for it again, and I will fall for it time and time again. And I know there's other guys out there like me, or maybe there's not, because if you're sitting there telling your friend, "No, you guys, you," I'm butters. I'm butters. I'm a jackass. I'm the people that make those restaurants successful, and I fall for it to this very day. If somebody shows me attention, I'm falling for it. Every time. Damn it. Is that so wrong? Yes, it's horribly wrong, but you figure to learn a lesson at some point, but I won't. Ask any of my friends. Fall for it for this very day. I think that waitress liked me. I'm pretty sure. No, no, that's her job to do that, you understand? That's her job. That's why you gave her another twenty bucks. And I'm like, no, 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 you not nah, you, you weren't there. We we had a moment. We had a moment. It's that. Listen, listen. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm a jackass. Uh, last time, you know, it's funny. I I can't stop thinking. We were talking about the show between the shows between Friends and Seinfeld, and I, and I couldn't stop thinking about it 
it's like you know, I, I I was sleeping a lot last two days, and then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just be thinking about stuff, and obviously thinking about crashing, and then thinking about television shows, and thinking about how what shows are and what they progress, and blah blah blah. And I just couldn't stop thinking. We were talking about the shows in between Friends and Seinfeld. What are they doing? You know, what what? Why is it they couldn't find a match? Why isn't they couldn't find another Cheers or another Cosby, something in the 90s to coincide with these two shows? And and sure, it's very difficult. I mean, you know, it's 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 hard to find a, a show like that, like like a Friends that's on every day. I mean, now maybe you have the Big Bang Theory that's on. And and quite frankly, I love the Big Bang Theory. And when they add those stupid shows on TBS like The Detour or Search Party, any of that crap, I hate them all because it takes away from the Big Bang Theory being on 24 hours a day and uh, or The Family Guy. And they interrupt it to put on these stupid shows. So I'm always going to hate those shows. So I was like, hey, have you seen that Search Party? It's pretty." I'm like, no, no, no. It breaks up the Big Bang Theory, dummy. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to television. That's what an you know, idiot I am. Uh, but the reason why I was thinking about it, because I'm like, Jesus Christ, these networks have millions upon millions of dollars. Millions. I mean, at this point, they probably got billions, right? But in the 90s, they had millions upon hundreds of millions of dollars to come up with the perfect show, to get the best people, to get the best writers, to get the best actors, get the best comedians. Are you telling me within 10 years, and let's make it 15, let's say from 1990 to 20, 2005, you couldn't come up with one show? I mean, maybe they did, a, maybe they came a Frasier, but that's something from Cheers that's not new. Maybe you could say Will and Grace, but I'm saying, why can't you come up with five shows that are that good? Because I'm not counting that stupid Wings. I'm not counting Just Shoot Me. I'm counting. A, I'm talking about stuff, and Will and Grace doesn't cut it that people want to see on syndication every day. So Friends and Seinfeld are the only ones. How do you have nothing but resources, nothing but people? You, then you have the worst people working for you. If you can't figure it out, if you can't go to all the comedy clubs in the country and find someone who's going to work it out, there's not one person on this planet that was able to come up with a Friends of Seinfeld sometime in the 90s. I, I, I know it's difficult. It's weird. Again, I got to go over the shows again. I, I just, coupling, aired episodes, four fucking episodes. And Stephen Moffat, that's the guy who did, that guy... He does Doctor Who, Battery Park. What is that? It aired the pilot of the Charlie Sheen starring Sugar... I don't know what the hell. Four episodes. Daddy-O with Michael Chiklis. Nine episodes ran. Fire it up with uh, the girl from uh, 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 King of Queens. Leah Re- Rem- Remini. I can never pronounce her name. First she got fired. Then she got fired up. <laughs> We talked about Inside Schwartz last week with Breckenmeyer. Good Morning Miami we talked about. Union Square. 
Uh, you're, you're ready for this? The, the, Constance Marie played Gabriella Diaz. I don't even know who these people are. A lawyer turned playwright who befriended people she met in a fictional coffee shop in New York City. Then they were just stealing. Kath and Kim. Kath and Kim with Molly Shannon and Selma Blair. You're, you're figuring, well, that should work. We talked about the single guy, Hope and Gloria, that idiot, Cynthia Stevenson. She was in every show in the 90s. She's a, a producer of a daytime talk show becoming friends with a hairdresser. That's that's That was their plan. Leap of Faith, another show about well-off people hanging out in New York in the post-friends time slot. Caroline in the city. Oh, that last suddenly. Susan Curse, The Weber Show. We talked about all that. Boston Common. Four Kings. Uh, maybe uh, this was Seth Green was in that one. He's good. Seven episodes, but that's 2006. That's later. I mean, still, it doesn't matter. Joey should have lasted, but again, that's your Frasier situation. Mad Men of the People. Uh, that's with Dabney Coleman. You know, in '94, he was already kind of finished by then. There, there, what he's saying in the '90s. <coughs> sorry, there was. There was not one person you could get. You just you just rehash and rehash. There wasn't one new person. Not, I mean, Friends was all unknowns. What are you saying? That you, you, NBC, ABC, nobody could figure out a formula with millions and millions and, and resources. You can with your money, you can hire the best people. You probably could have hired somebody like Tom Cruise or something, even though that's that's not going to work. But I'm just saying, perfect couples. Olivia Munn. What that the Naked Truth? We talked about Stark raving mad. Oh, that was uh, with Neil Patrick Harris and Tony Shalhoub. I mean, there it's where you're like, well, how's this not going to work? And Monk meets Castle. And extended, playing a horror novelist who teamed with uh, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, a straight-faced book editor. Oh, my God, it's just canceled. Uh, I'm just looking. We talked about Andy Parker, mad about you. Yeah, that lasted. That lasted, but who cares? Do Are you... Can you not wait till 11 o'clock on weekdays to watch Mad About You reruns? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. My name is Earl Scrubs. These were all shows that lasted, but they weren't Friends or Seinfeld. Uh, Parks and Recreation. You know, then you get to these, The Office, you know, 30 Rock. Yeah, we've, we've all talked about them. They were all... They lasted a long time, but they weren't successful. Critics liked them. They weren't ratings hits. They just had nothing else. They had nothing else. And, and, and they had hundreds of millions of dollars to spend. And none of the networks could come up with one sitcom to be like a Friends and Seinfeld. What are we watching at night? We're, I mean, think the Big Bang Theory is the only one. And a lot of people don't care for that. Friends and Seinfeld, we're watching shows from the 90s on Channel 11 at nighttime. 
or on TBS, I mean, they couldn't come up with one other show that we care about watching all the time with hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, the pilots, all the money, the the development deals that pe- all the comics were getting in the 90s, all the comics I know, but you know who never got a development deal? Your pal Dave Juskow. And that's where they messed up. Oh, my show would have been hilarious. Maybe. I don't think it would have been fun. I'm just saying. It would have been hilarious. But uh, no, I'm just, I mean, I know they were giving development deals to all these comics. God, they got it all wrong. They got it all wrong. And, and you know why I'm saying this also? Because Netflix is getting it all right. They have massive shows, massive hits. I can name them off the top of my head with the, uh, what's that one that I like with the, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, it's that one with the kid and they uh, go away and the thing with the, the girl from the Heathers and the Stranger Things, right? Stranger Things, uh, Jessica Jones, all that Marvel stuff, Daredevil, uh, uh, you know, the OA, is it a Black Mirror? Is, it, is that all Netflix stuff? I mean, you can, you can rattle the Fuller House even. I mean, you know, they've got nonstop hits because they went in different direction. I mean, these guys should all be fired. This is why networks suck. They blew it. I'd like to find out who the fuck was in charge. I mean, these are all horrible people. No wonder I couldn't get a job in the network. These are horrible people that were not willing to take any chances or any risks. The only chance they really took was on Seinfeld. Somebody was smart enough to say, well, let's give it a chance. Everything else is a joke. Your friends was gonna make that wasn't a, that wasn't a, that wasn't a risk. Six good-looking kids gonna make. I mean, it just it turned out it worked out, but it wasn't a risk of any kind. It's just I'm just fascinated how they all kept the, the, all these people kept their jobs. How the networks even stayed on the air. What a horrible programming that you can't with all those resources you can't come up with a decent show. It's like like Donald Trump. He has all his money, and he and he came up with The Apprentice, and it was it was very popular. I mean, not now with Schwarzenegger and everything, but at least he took all his money and all his resources. He came up with a popular show, which didn't cost very much, because he was rich. He's like, well, let me, I'll come up with a successful show. It, it's just it, it's 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 been bothering me. It's something that shouldn't bother me because there's really nothing I can do about it. But then you have to appreciate a place like Netflix. And and it's it's amazing that it's taken this long to to find another venue. And can you blame anyone for cutting the cord? Fuck the networks. If they lose football, they're through. I mean, I I'm dying to cut the cord. I'm dying to cut the cord. I can't. I'm an old man. I'm set in my ways. It's very very difficult to do, but I really want to. I don't want to shove it right down their balls. God damn it, it's really, uh, it's upsetting when I think about it. All the money, all the resources. You could get the best people, the best, and nobody could, all they could come up with is like, how about a show where a lawyer becomes a playwright and, and, and she has some friends that they hang out in a coffee shop. Well, that sounds a lot like friends. No, 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 I didn't, she's a playwright. She's going to meet a bunch of actors and it'll be different. Well, Joey's an actor. But no, 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 you're not listening, you're not listening. So what is this Battery Park? What was this about? Uh, it would be the show 
See, when NBC retooled the sitcom now called Battery Park, it starred Elizabeth Perkins. Well, she's from Big, right? And uh, it lasted four times as long as Sugar Meaning Four. I, I don't know what it's about. I got to look up what some of these things were about. Well, not quite as bad. Uh, Kath and Kim still suffered from, including the peculiar casting of Molly Shannon and Selma. I remember that one because I like Selma Blair as the titular mother and daughter duo and trying to Americanize the characters while also keeping... Oh, it must have been a uh, British show. See, that's the other thing. They were taking all these British shows. They're like, they had no ideas of their own. They're they're talking about coupling. They're trying to take British shows because when you had success with uh, Three's Company 20 years ago, they're like, no, these British shows making them American. They work, they work. I know they tried that with Absolutely Fabulous with... uh, they were going to use Roseanne and uh, Kirstie Alley. They were going to try and do an AbFab here. Are they crazy? That would have bombed like it's nobody's business. AbFab is brilliant. And that, uh, you know, the woman that writes it, Jennifer, whatever her name is, I mean, she's a genius and doesn't get enough praise for being a woman. Yeah, you can, Tina Fey, fuck you. Before you were doing it, this woman was doing it all by herself. You got a whole bunch of people writing for you. You got a lot of help. This woman, Jennifer Saunders, doing it all on her own, wrote every episode, every episode. And it's so much more edgy than anything you ever came up with. I like Tina Fey, but I'm just saying this woman is unbelievable. And uh, like the Amy Heckerling of her day, which nobody, you know, doesn't get any, any, uh, Amy Heckling, who wrote and who directed one of the classic comedies of all time in 1980, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a female directing a classic comedy, let alone Clueless, and uh, nobody ever talks about her. You want to talk about empowering women? You want to talk about your women independent day? Why aren't we talking about Amy Heckling? Why aren't we talking about Jennifer Saunders? Ugh. Drives me crazy. People don't know. Unbelievable television. Now, here's something. Here, let me tell you about this. There's a television show called Time After Time. Remember I told you I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it. It's based on my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Time After Time with Malcolm McDowell and uh, that awesome villain from Titanic. Uh, That guy, uh, he's always a villain. Uh, I don't... I can't think of his name. You know him. You know the guy, the guy from Titanic, who's the the the, the manservant to um, Billy Zane. You know, like um, I see the woman fell so suddenly, yet you had time to untie your shoes and your belt. I do believe this ship will sink. Remember, he uh, punches him in the stomach, and then he, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, it's with those two guys. Time after time, H. G. Wells. Uh, chases Jack the Ripper in a time machine to 1979 San Francisco. Uh, now, And also written and directed by one of my favorites, Nicholas Meyer, who also wrote and directed 7% Solution, uh, which is Sherlock Holmes um, with Robert Duvall. Getting too excited. And uh, uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek VI. Nicholas Meyer, amazing guy. Uh so they have a television show, Time After Time, based on the movie. Remember, I was saying, I don't know where they're going to go after this. I don't know. So they're going in an interesting path. It's okay. However, so this time they, they end in New York and uh, in the Museum of Natural History. 
that's where the time machine is located, whatever, and uh, blah, 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 blah. Yesterday, I'm watching the episode, and H.G. Wells, and he, he meets this girl from the museum. She's hot, and it's, it's delightful uh, that they like each other. They go to 1980 to solve some mystery. 1980, uh, September 9th, 1980, to see what happened then. And they go to they go to this party. Now, there's, there's so many things inaccurate with this whole thing. Now, I can't believe that there's writers in Hollywood. <coughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I obviously have to finish up because I'm losing it. But I can't believe there's writers in Hollywood that could let this go. I mean, I know it's just me. But this is really bad. All right. Now, first of all, there's the hilarious part where the black woman is married to the white guy. They're at a Hamptons uh, party, a really upscale Hamptons party in 1980. And it's a black and white couple with all everybody else. And everybody's okay with it in the Hamptons. All right. Exhibit A. But that's just the hilarious part. We can let that go. But here's the part. They go to 1980. The girl goes, I got to go with you. I got You're going to need me. I'm a historian, remember? I'm a historian. This is what she says. She goes back. She goes, he's like, what was 1980 like? And she goes, don't worry about it. Just put your collar up and just talk about, you know, MTV and Madonna. And he's like, right. And I'm like, what the fuck? What kind of historian are you? First, MTV doesn't exist for another year. Madonna doesn't exist for another three or four years. What kind of historian are you? And quite frankly, if if you're making a a, 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 a television show based on and you're going back to 1980, and and you say you're going back to the 80s, and it's all she says, it's all about the hair, it's all about this. It's 1980. The 1980s, what we call the 80s, and the hairstyle and the clothing didn't really start until 1982 or three. And we're talking about Duran Duran and, and, and the Human League and the Go-Go's, 82, 80, 81. I mean, it did not start in 1980. So what the hell, these people, I mean, are you doing any kind of research whatsoever? Do you know how simple it is? Do, do you know I do this when I do The Godfather? I'll go back and look at a year and I'll be like, let me get this right. Do you know how easy it is to say we're going back to 1980 and then just look up one piece of information. Let me see when Madonna came out. Let me see when MTV started, which if you put in Google, when did MTV start? A huge banner will come in, just like when we put in the BYU athletic director and it comes in a huge thing called Tom Homo. (laughs) The thing's going to come out August 1st, 1981. MTV started. 81. How are you able to write an ABC show and not do that little bit of research. You fucking assholes. I, I, I know it's bothering me. It's almost as bad as that idiot from Rolling Stone who doesn't ask any of the comic. Who's your favorite comic? David Tell. It drives me insane because we're here we are talking about how bad network TV was all these years. And then you got these people. And, and, and again, wouldn't even care. But she goes with him because she's a historian. I know it's just a television show. But for Christ's sakes, if you're going to do it, do it. Do a little bit of research, a tiny bit. (coughs) Well, that all being said, listen to me. I am a mess. 
So I think I got to call it a night. I'm sorry. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, I, I got all worked up. I got all worked up. Can you believe it? Let me ask you a question. What other show are you going to listen to with somebody who's going to be worked up about what I was just talking about? Nowhere. Nowhere. There is no other show. There is no other show. And I don't know how to market this show. I don't know. I mean, we, you and I know. We love it. Is it just 10 of us? But you guys get it. And thank goodness for that because, you know, we, uh, we got to stick together. Yeah, I got I to, gotta, uh, you know, crashing. Crashing this Sunday night, 10.30. Dave Juskow, Steve Adrian, Sarah Silverman, Pete Holmes, Artie Lang. Sarah Silverman on the Artie Lang podcast, which I'll be doing tonight. The uh, stupid CBS Sportsline event, this, uh, this horrible, the, their site went down just before tip-off on the basketball tournament. What a bunch of jerk-offs. I'm just getting sick of all the networks, and they have nothing to do with the networks. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? Anyway, uh, Friday night, going to see uh, Matteo Lane, the great Matteo Lane from The Godfather. <laughs> he's uh, he's singing the songs of Barbara Streisand. <laughs> hey, uh, you got to support your friends. You got to support your friends. I'm not saying I'm not going to love it. By the way, April 3rd, I'm going to see uh, Groundhog Day, the musical. How about that? That ought to be interesting, right? I'll tell you all about that. And uh, next Saturday, I'm going to the Devils game. So I got manly things and unmanly things at the same time going on. So we'll see. Next week, uh, I guess I'll have a bunch of stuff to report. Actually, don't know when I'm going to do the podcast. I'm seeing an even gayer show than you could possibly imagine next Wednesday. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do. But whatever, I will obviously do it. And we'll put it out because I wasn't going to put a a show today because I was all messed up. And I'm like, let's do the show. Let's do the show. I love doing the show. So anyway, I'll see you next week. And uh, watch Crashing, I guess, right? I mean, come on. It's going to be unbelievable. Remember, the magic of Rick Nielsen. Cheap trick and Crashing. No, they're not on, but uh, I wish they were. And I wish they, they almost let me do my Damone when I was on, but they just won't let me do it. That's the character I wanted to play on it, but they wouldn't let me do it. All right. Well, have a great week, everybody, and I will see you on Artie's podcast, and otherwise I'll see you next week, okay? Bye!